everyone, and welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Allie. And we're the two girls on this one podcast. Sometimes we let our producer, Matt, say things. Matt, say something. Hi, something. Cute. Oh, good job. That's enough. Now, I am so interested slash intrigued with what we are going to be talking about today because it's something that I've never done and never really been drawn to do. But I do have people in my life who are in sororities and fraternities of various kinds, and it has meant a lot to them. So I don't know. I'm I'm very interested in our topic today, which is Bama Rush. Yes. So I heard about it when it was first going viral on TikTok, like two or three years ago, this current um, rush season, people were referring to as season three. So (laughs) (laughs) I remember hearing about it season one and being like, who gives a shit? Like I was very much like, Really? Why? Who cares Why what, these, eight, the, yeah. what these 18 year old girls rushing sorority? And then I really didn't care at all until a couple weeks ago. I was hanging out with our mutual friend, Lucy, and she was like, Oh, you got to see this. And she was, <laughs> There are influence, not yeah, influencers, but like culture experts who aggregate the Bama Rush tiktoks of the day with their cultural commentary and the commentary was so fascinating that my mind was changed completely (laughs) wait you didn't send that to me that's wild no i'm I'm laughing with you because i am amazed by this as well yeah no i just wrote it off i was like okay this is stupid and silly and then i was reading the social commentary on you know what it says about femininity and feminism and performative culture and and patriarchy and white supremacy and like it was really really wild and you know sometimes i wonder with some culture experts like are they digging for things that really aren't there or Hmm. you know are they completely right and they're they're taking this really anthropological view of it Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. when i started reading the commentary about this phenomenon i was really blown away and that's when i was like matt we're covering this and yeah. I'm not even asking for permission. No, yeah. You sent it to me. I was like, uh, what? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yes. like, trust me. I know it just looks like sorority rush, but it's wild underneath. No. And in fact, um, Lindsay, I think you started watching it, but there is a documentary. Yeah. Coming on out, HBO or Max. Just came out. Yeah. No, it's, it's out. Yeah. Yeah. I think you I, mean Max. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Are you going to go put an X on X? Yeah. X, X. Uh, I put a I put a post on X and I, it was about Max. And it do you was not about say Max. that you do you not say I tweeted? You're like I posted on X. They changed they the still URL say that tweet. used to be. Da, 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 you you still say tweet I tweeted slash, on X. No, but they they are changing the URL and the, so the, the structure of it to be posts instead of tweets. They're they're dismantling everything. It's it's so, whatever. Anyway. I Elon Musk maybe they could is dismantle white supremacy next. No, that's oh, not yeah, going to happen. No, they're they're trying to uphold it. Yeah, they are. They are. They are. They are. But you know, that's on topic for today's subject. So, okay. So <laughs> you watched true. you watched some of the the uh, the Max. Yeah, I watched. I watched. Thank you. A, a good bit of it, and it's very upsetting. And uh, the, like the documentary is making it seem like dangerous honestly for oh, young women to participate in that or not yeah. i don't know yeah it's hard to know but it doesn't it doesn't seem 
pleasant, which honestly, Rush, which I have participated in, just not sorority Rush, is very stressful. It's very stressful to to see a group of people that you want to be a part of and to want them to like you enough to invite you to join. That that in and of itself is a lot of pressure and it's really difficult. Yeah, Sorry. I mean the idea just of competing so, so for dumb. friends versus yeah. just right. Yeah, can you I, I truly can you educate me? I don't even fucking know what rushing it really okay. is. Well, I, I, well I, Allie and I rushed a cappella, which is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> but in the tra- like in the, tra- <laughs> in the traditional it's, sense, it's, what it's is not this? Cooler or or less cool? It's just very different because <laughs> beyond the fact that you are trying to get these people to like you, you are also, you know, showcasing your own talent. So ultimately, like you are participating to be a part of a group that does something, not right. just a part of a social group. Like you have to fit into please like me. You have to fit into what the group mm-hmm. needs as far as performance, as well as Which makes being likable. It's, it's, it's not an audition, but it is. Hey, am I talented enough to become part of this yeah. uh, performance group? That it is an audition to me. There's that makes sense to me. But then, yeah. as well, you're doing rush meals. It's called rush meals. Like you go on basically curated dates with the people who are already (laughs) in the group and that's and that's like a small slice of what i understand sorority rush to be sorority and fraternity rush is similar but also you know you've seen it in movies they like make you do silly tasks and you have to like dress up for parties and basically be on parade like miss america answer questions whenever senior people more senior people ask you so it's the existing members judging whether or not the rushers are worthy based on answers to questions silly stunts personal style whatever exactly how drunk can i get whatever and also like willingness to just fall in line with this yes, crazy okay. culture that we yeah, have yeah. developed okay um how, how long how, what is the time frame of a typical greek rush is this a week of time is this three months what what is this it's a couple of know. months it's a couple of months at the beginning of the year that's like half the school year jesus Christ. no, no i mean it like, just ended so it can't be more than a month. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, when did, I didn't, when did again, they go to I didn't college, right? Like mid-August and this was done by mid-September? Mm, okay. So maybe yeah. maybe about a month, three weeks. That, but that this is, makes yeah. a little uh, more sense. We're spreading um, misinformation. We, yeah, we don't, we don't know. know. We don't. I'm sure it varies. Um, but it's a very intense process. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people really look forward to it. And, you know, it's in their families and... But um, I'm really excited to hear our guest's perspectives on it, the deep dive that she's done. And she was also part of a Teen Vogue scandal regarding <laughs> Bama Rush. I use scandal in, in air quotes, but we'll hear about that as well, which I'm, wow. um, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing her perspectives. The intrigue. But yeah, yeah. Matt, to answer your question, it's not, it's not like a time of year that is standard for all places. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's like between a month, like three weeks, it's probably like between three and eight weeks, depending on where you are in school and how serious they take rush itself. Mm-hmm. 
So it could be, you know, not that long. And it could be like two months worth of trying to get these people to like you. And then they're like, no. And then you've just wasted your time and your <laughs> yeah, money. That was, that was I know. Me. What do you that do at, when you get rejected? I rushed all the acapella groups and I didn't get into any of them. And meanwhile, you know, when you're rushing, you have, you know, I made it to like the second round or whatever. So mm. then you have meals with all these different acapella group members because they're seeing if they like you. So it was like all of my meals were with these acapella group members and then none of them chose me. And I was very, I mean, mm. whatever, I'm like so completely over it, but I was very, I remember being very <laughs> upset at the time yeah. because I knew that Yale had this, I knew that their equivalent of sororities was a singing group. And I was like, how yeah. perfect, you know? And I yeah. really looked yeah, forward yeah. to it. My older brother, my older brother went to Yale. I knew all about them. He had gotten me their CDs because he wanted to convince me to go to Yale. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like I was super excited. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, hadn't met really the other freshmen in my dorm because I'd been busy rushing acapella. So it actually oh really did fuck me up socially for a little bit. I mean, whatever. I don't, it's stressful. Do not I mean, care. I, <laughs> but I got it, at the time it was a big deal for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got interviewed on NPR. I'm dropping it in here. Me and Lauren Warsham were interviewed our sophomore year oh, after we yeah. had gotten into shades. And I remember this. we were, we were talking about our experience and how stressful it was, how we were freaking crying, how it's like, I don't know who I'm going to go with. And you know, like, and this is just acapella rush. So like, I can't imagine how stressful it is when it's like, this could be where you live. This could yeah, be, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. But it's one thing to be rejected from a job or an audition yeah. or a test or something, but being rejected by your peers. Yeah. Like all of your peers collectively were like, no, thanks. And yeah. now you just yeah, have I to mean, like be with them. Know. Like I was it's rejected by everybody. It's funny because you're bringing me back because like whatever, I'm completely, yeah. it's fine. I just, you I, know, I still cry about it at night, but no big deal. No, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, it was very, I mean, I did, I did cry when I didn't get in. I mean, and I had rushed like so many different groups, right? And you're like, because also for acapella, you're like, was this a talent rejection? Was this a social rejection? Right. Or yeah, 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 you don't yeah. know. Totally. And you don't know, and it's hard, and they might you might never find out. Like I never you're did. eighteen, you're not gonna yeah. go and talk to a twenty year old and be like, Why don't you like me? That's not gonna happen. Well, also you're just even in if the they dark. tell you they don't you don't know if it's true or not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, like one too. group was like, Oh, well, we were so sure you were gonna go with this other group, and the other group was like, Well, we were sure you were gonna go with this other group, but they're like nobody mm. you know. Yeah. Um, I found you'll only know from the group that you get into. Like I found out later I, I was tapped first. And my year was pretty talented. It was crazy, actually. But I was tapped first because they said, she's crazy. She's just going to go with whoever shows up first. <laughs> That's and what they, they were right. <laughs> no, and I'm glad the that they came Shades is the first. best group. Yeah, one, so. I'm very grateful. Actually, um, there's too many acapella groups at Yale, so it like, often spreads the talent thin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, it is so funny that like Yale's equivalent of a sorority is just like an extremely dorky equivalent. Yeah. You know what I mean? People who like to sing in harmony together. We're yeah. just, we're just, you know, um, theater camp meets, uh, meets glee. And that's, well, that's, you know, uh, I, I Yale. think maybe a, um, more potent comparison and frankly worse is secret societies. Secret societies now are different, but they were very much created for like, the straight white men to like maintain their right power. Yeah. Like, you know, and like yeah. no people of color, no Jews, no women were allowed in for a long time. 
Yeah. Um, well, women weren't even allowed into Yale until 1969. So, so. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So, that's, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wild. I mean, that's the thing about feminism is like we grew up being told like women were equal and stuff, but it was only like pretty recently still in my life where I'm yeah. like, you know what? In the grand mm-hmm. scheme of human history, feminism mm-hmm. just started. Just happened. Yeah. <laughs> like it it's so true. just I liked, began. Yeah. I also liked being a a black female child in Atlanta where people are like racism doesn't really exist and I was like my mom was the first person in her family to go to an integrated high school what is oh happening God. y'all oh are God, wild God, oh for this your parents poured food on my parents we can't be acting like well, Lindsay, everything is hunky dory did I tell you the story when I learned about doc- about um, Dr. Martin Luther King I was really little I want to say I was like in kindergarten but it I was convinced that this must have happened hundreds of years ago, right? Oh, because, right, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> so my friend said that her dad heard Martin Luther King speak. And I was like, there's no way your dad was alive. <laughs> like, I was Shot. so convinced. <laughs> and then, like, way later found out that, like, yeah, it just happened. You know? Yeah. And I was like, what? Yep. What? But, yeah, yep. it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I think that we should thank our Patreon subscribers at the $10 or more level. You know what? They are part of our personal secret society slash sorority. So mm-hmm. yeah. thank you so much to these folks. Yeah. I would just like to say that welcome to our little sorority house known as 2G1P House. Um, and everyone who- 2Pi1Gamma. 2Pi1Gamma. <laughs> welcome to 2Pi1Gamma. And um, all of the people who we are going to point out right now have paid their dues and are really committed members of the house. And we appreciate them with our whole hearts. So I would like to thank Wesley Cordell, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Kathy Phillips, Matthew Scott, Melissa Elliott, William, Jessica Kybell, Ken M, Kelsey Murray, and our newest member, Bowie Barks. Thank you all. Without you, we like truly could not make this happen. And we look forward to our continued friendship and sisterhood. And I just want you to know that if you would like to be a part of this sisterhood at the $10 or more level, please go. Try harder. (laughs) (laughs) Please go to patreon.com slash 2G1P and we will say your name in a really fun way. All right, everyone, it is time to welcome our guest. Our guest today is talking about something that I know very little about. Um, so I'm excited to welcome Fortessa Latifi, who is a features reporter at Teen Vogue, to talk to us about Greek life. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for being here. Lindsay and I are really cool, and we definitely uh, never rushed a sorority. Uh, <laughs> but we both rushed so, acapella. Which is the Yale sorority, um, just to solidify yeah. our reputation here. There as were very sororities cool. and fraternities at Yale, there but. Two, but um, no, there were several. We just didn't <laughs> do it. We didn't do it. Yeah, we didn't. No. We don't. It's not. <laughs> we had it's not our vibe. and cried about whether or not we were going to get to sing do, 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 or. And just to be clear, I didn't get 
into any acapella group at all. Oh, no. I rushed and I didn't make it. But, uh, Fortessa, can you tell us uh, just a little bit of background on Bama Rush and why Bama Rush in particular is such a thing right now? It it blew it really up, on, blew the up on TikTok. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, we're in it's- season three. So tell us about it. Yeah, it's wild. The first like quote season of Rush Talk was really in 2021 when the whole thing went mega viral on TikTok. There were girls that were posting their OTDs, which means outfits of the day. day. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, As my teenage sister has reminded me. And it was just (laughs) like looking into a whole different world. It was so wild. Like these girls would be totally decked out with perfect makeup and hair that looked professionally done. And gorgeous fake tans and manicures and they took you through this really intense process of four rounds of rushing and it was so intense and the videos had hundreds of millions of views it's wild to me because the way you're describing it just sounds so unpleasant and then as i was looking into it it's like truly not a place that would be safe for me. It's a very unsafe environment for people <laughs> who look like, like hypothesis, me. Unpleasant conclusion. Unpleasant. Unsafe. Um, <laughs> wait, so can you tell us, but still, what do you think it is that made it go so viral? I think it was just like the strangeness of it. Like it was very, it was taken very seriously by the girls who were a part of it. And they would show us like, oh, you know, I've been thinking about these outfits for six months and this is what I decided on or, you know, it was just like so intense. And like, you always think I also wasn't in a sorority and you do think from the outside that it looks like this like crazy hyper feminine experience. But then this was kind of like evidence for everything that you like thought about sororities. Mm. And what's wild is that it's not getting less popular. You know what I mean? It's actually getting more popular. And a lot of people want this in their college experience, such that my friends who are like, they're, they're friends who have teenage daughters are like, yeah, I don't want my kids to play soccer in this like soccer elite soccer league because all the girls there are trying to go to state schools with sororities. And I just don't want my kid to be influenced by that. And you're like, is that really happening in high school? And it is, it's happening already in high school. These girls are getting like social media consultants to make their high school Instagrams look appealing to sororities when they finally go to college next year. It's like wild. Well, although on the flip side of that, I was reading that a lot of these girls, it's like their, their mother was in this sorority and they're Mm -hmm. encouraged to go into the sorority and they've been preparing for this. So, but I'm talking about California girls. Like these Mm -hmm. girls were born in California, raised in California. Their parents are California. Like I'm from Georgia. I know a lot of people whose parents like, you know, we're in sororities and, you know, also in the Daughters of the American Revolution, whatever. But, like, <laughs> honestly, not too <laughs> different. Whatever. Not that different, IMO. But, you know, also black sororities are very different from non-black sororities. So mm. it's, like, so wild to me 
but the th- but a lot of the things are the same, like being very put together, mm-hmm. being very like aware of your presence as a representative of the sorority and having to be quote unquote like beautiful in that that that's similar across sororities. Well, yeah. let's back it up a little. <laughs> Why um, do you think that Bama Rush is different from other rushes? I think it's because of the Southern culture that is just so much a part of the DNA at the University of Alabama. Like, it is a different world. It's super cutthroat. It's really materialistic. Like, if you think of the typical Southern Belle kind of girl, you all, I mean, we kind of think of a perfectly made up, really sweet, or at least like seems really sweet, really focused girl with like, you know, perfect blonde hair. And that's the University of Alabama rush where other schools can have intense processes, but I don't think anywhere comes close to Alabama and other schools are like straight up laid back in comparison. Like you see people commenting on TikTok and being like, whoa, this is not what my experience was like at like X, Y, and Z school. Like, I don't think it can really be like duplicated. Wow. So it's like a unique microcosm of, of the greater society and then also the greater sorority networks. Totally. Huh. That leads into something I wanted to ask you about, which is that the New York Times covered this and referred to Bama Rush as, quote, peak neo-antebellum white Southern culture on display. Wow. So I just threw up in my mouth a little bit hearing you say that. That's why I said it (laughs) instead of having you say it, Lindsay. Thank you. You're you're welcome. Yeah. I am. To what degree do you think that is accurate or inaccurate? Yeah, I mean, that isn't like an opinion piece. I read that piece, but I do think that it rings true for a lot of people and their experiences. Like Rush Talk and Bama Rush can be almost blindingly white. Like most of the girls who take part in it are white. 85% of the girls in sororities at University of Alabama are white, which is totally disproportionate to the demographics of both the university and the state. And they're showcasing themselves as these like perfectly feminine women, which is a big part of Southern culture. And then the antebellum Southern culture, which refers to the period before the Civil War, was even more focused on upholding the patriarchy and white supremacy And I think like the wildest thing that really points to this white Southern culture and white supremacy ideals is the fact that the first black woman to pledge a sorority at University of Alabama was in 2003. 13? Oh, I thought that I thought that the sororities didn't get desegregated until like the teens. 2013. Like officially. And they called it like persistent segregation that they had until 2013. So it's kind of like an interesting like way to kind of like walk around the issue, but no, it wasn't like, it wasn't entirely desegregated until 2013, which is like, that was 10 years ago. It's wild. (laughs) Wait, but what were you saying about 2003? The first, um, Black, black woman, woman to, to yeah pledge. to pledge a sorority was in 2003 at the University of Alabama but then there was still this what they called persistent segregation so they were like you know looking at people's skin color and taking that as like a reason to take them in or to not and even to this day like only 15% of sorority members are non-white which is just like kind of bananas like i don't know how if i were not a white girl how i would walk into sorority rush at Alabama and feel like it wasn't going to be part of the conversation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can obviously speak to that. It's just, I don't know. It, yeah. I mean, there, 
there was like a Meghan Markle-esque girl in the documentary mm-hmm. that was on HBO who was like, yeah, it feels really horrible. And I'm like, if you were anywhere else, honestly, people would code you as white, which is crazy. Mm. And, oh, fascinating. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of white people didn't know Meghan Markle was black until everybody was like, yeah, that is a black person. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, huh. <laughs> and now we hate her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now we think she shouldn't be married to the Prince of England. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you didn't even know until someone told you. <laughs> but anyway, and and that's what the what, what's her name? Jordan. Yeah, more, I think so. I can't. I I don't remember. Sorry, I'm misnaming you. But I mean, I was like, I can't even imagine. I'd be like, girl, get out of there. Don't do it. Yeah. It seems not worth it. Your mental health is going to take a serious toll being around this, which well, is probably so, why it was easy for it to stay segregated. I guess what's so interesting is the extent to which the current PNMs, potential new members, but like the, the extent to which the current sorority members do or do not realize these standards and systems that they are enforcing. Um, yeah. I mean, they're fascinating. Still, like very young, right? Like I think about, yeah. like I didn't have the language to express, like, I don't even know if I like knew the word patriarchy at 17 or 18. Yeah. Or I don't think I could have like spoken to like, what are white beauty standards and why are that? You know what I mean? So like, right. Like they probably don't, a lot of them, or maybe even most don't quite realize what they're upholding. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I don't want to be like an apologist or whatever, but I do right. think like that is kind of like what college is for is to like get the language to talk about those kinds of things. And then sometimes you look back and you're like, Whoa, that was weird. Like, why was I a part of that? Or I don't know. Even when I think about the Me Too movement, it made me reflect on so many interactions where I was like, oh, that interaction was like completely inappropriate. But I yeah. was just like, I didn't have the oh, language for right. it. I yeah. was like, oh, this is just how it goes. That's just how like, it is. you know I what just... I mean? But do we don't think, think about professors it? Are. Yeah. Do, <laughs> do we think that younger generations are getting that language through these movements and through modern internet culture? And could we be breaking cycles here? What are your observations on on any of that, if, if any? Hmm. I mean, I do think that they know a lot more than like I did at that age, just because of the fact that they have like the entire internet at their disposal. And also like they lived through the summer of 2020 and the mm-hmm. Me yeah. Too movement and the Black Lives Matter movement. And right, so they, I mean. they might, yeah, have more language and more understanding. But I do think it's like hard to look at things that seem like innocuous to you as like an 18 year old. Like, but I just want to be in a sorority with these girls and like hang out and whatever. And like, why yeah. is that so bad? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also, it's also like, I mean, exactly what we're saying. You kind of, know that it's not right it feel you can feel it you're like this isn't right but mm-hmm. you i think that we weren't empowered to point it out right no. when i when i was that age you know like you said there hadn't been you know the summer of 2020 there hadn't been a me too movement so we'd be like this isn't great i wish this wasn't happening <laughs> um no. i guess i'll just move along with my life though whereas now i think that a lot of young girls do have the ability to be like, look, that's whack. You can't say that. And I'm not going to stand here and let you say that to me. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So I do think that there is a little bit more of that, but if you're but the only one saying it, we also live in a very polarized world. Yeah. Like it was crazy when I went to, it. I did a road trip during the pandemic and I went to Nashville and there were all these bachelorette parties and I was like, Oh, there's no pandemic here. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. There's, you know, they're, they're probably seeing a totally different TikTok and everything. Yes. But, yeah. But um, diving into more of just like, so when I first heard about this, I actually heard about it during season one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my, my friends were making OOTD parodies and I was like, what the fuck is happening? But I was just like, okay, Bama Rush, whatever. It meant nothing to me. And it was only pretty recently that I started reading these think pieces about it where I was like, holy shit, this is, this is a whole world and social commentary. But I was very stunned to learn that there are Rush consultants. Yeah. So can you tell us about those? And do you know, you know, how common are they? Or are they just talking a big game on social media? Like, are, are, are a lot of women using them? And what's the average I mean, think- that they get paid? Because that's who I was saying, that, that's who's curating these, these Instagram profiles and stuff. These are Rush consultants. Right. Yeah, th- I mean, they make like $150 an hour, which is just kind of bananas. <laughs> That's what yeah. I made to tutor chemistry, which I personally <laughs> had to study for. Right. Well, I mean, it's kind of like similar for them. I'm sure like they're like, well, I was in a sorority and I can study it and I can tell you all about it now. Um, but it is strange because there, I mean, there are no hard numbers. Like I don't think that girls who use rush consultants are going to be thrilled to be like, Hey, I did this. Like I felt yeah. this insecure or this unprepared or whatever. And I think part of that is like the marketing on the half on the behalf of like the rush consultants that they're like, yeah, this is what you need to get in. Like, obviously that benefits them. Um, but the, it does speak to like how competitive the process is that that's even like a thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And along those lines, the, I was watching some of these outfit of the day videos and, you know, they're wearing sometimes very expensive outfits and jewelry. Do you, do you have any idea what the average spend is and like, what are the subtle and not so subtle ways that wealth is displayed through these videos? Yeah. It's so strange to watch. Like you'll watch the videos and the girls are wearing like brand new dresses and designer jewelry. And they'll be like, oh, you know, this bracelet's from Amazon and they'll be like, this ring is Cartier. And you're like, oh, that's like a thousand dollar ring, just like chilling on your finger. Like, it's just like so strange. And then they'll be like, oh yeah, my shoes are like Jimmy Choo or whatever. And you're just like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just so wild. And like, there was this TikTok user this year who would go through the get ready with me videos and price everything that the girls were showing from Mm. their outfits. And it was like, I mean, sometimes it was just like a just quote, like a couple hundred dollars, but sometimes it would be like run into the thousands or tens of thousands. And it just like speaks to the pressure to like display wealth. That's absolutely wild to me. And like, I mean, I mean, these consultants are getting paid thousands of dollars, right? And one of the things is probably to help you choose your wardrobe, right? What are the other things that the consultants are expected to help you with? Your wardrobe, your Instagram, what else? So from my understanding, you have to like write like a letter to the sororities, basically being like, this is what I would bring to the sorority if I were like accepted in. So it's kind of like a college application essay. So they get help on that. And then also just like how to 
present yourself. Like when you're walking into houses, like this is what you need to do, or like make sure that you don't do. Like there are so many unspoken rules in these kinds of like mini societies that like that's what the rush consultant is for is to be like, hey, make sure you don't break this rule that you didn't know about. <laughs> wow. Well, along those lines, it seems like a lot of the girls are basically getting social media famous from this, but at the same mm -hmm. time, the consultants and sororities are advising them on what to post or not post. And it seems like that, I don't know, there was like a weird thing to navigate there as well in terms of like mm -hmm. the uh, Alabama seems to, you know, Bama rush is benefiting from this TikTok exposure. But then I was reading mm -hmm. that they advise girls not to do that because they don't want that to be while you're rushing or something. So mm -hmm. did you have any, any, some girls have yeah. said, I mean, you're, you're what you're saying is right. Like I saw that some girls were like, I only came to Alabama because of Bama rush. Like yeah. that's on, the only hmm. reason I came to this university right. is because mm -hmm. of Bama rush. So they're definitely benefiting from yeah, it. And then meanwhile, like I read they that are. the organization that governs, governs rush has social media guidelines. So what, how, how much are girls following these guidelines? What are these guidelines? Yeah, there's this super strange line to walk where like being popular on social media could like help you because the sorority obviously like wants like the it girls of like the campus or like it could really hinder you because they could be like, why are you like bringing all this attention to the sorority? Because there is kind of this like level of secrecy um, and you don't want to be seen as doing anything or posting anything that goes against the sorority's like stated values. So that's. I think there's this like really strange line to walk where girls are like, okay, what do I want the most? Like I want to be in this sorority, but like for these young girls, like what is really bigger than social media fame? You know, that's so wild. I, I, I'm also, okay. Yeah. What is the, the Greek, the, the, the Panhellenic organization, what are they saying about Bama Rush in specific? Have they spoken about it? Because, you know, like you mentioned, it's not like this everywhere. This is mm -hmm. a very like microcosm of two overlapping societies that have formed Bama Rush. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think that Panhellenic is like commenting on it specifically, or if they are like, I don't know if they're talking to the sororities behind the scenes and being like, hey, listen, like, be careful with this. But I think it like it's really like this dueling issue for them, because on one hand, like, yeah, girls are going to Alabama and rushing because of rush talk. And like, obviously, that's good. Right. For like the university and for Panhellenic, who wants as many members as possible. But then on the other hand, it's like people, once something gets popular, it doesn't take very long in like the internet cycle for us to like become critical of it. And so by becoming this popular, like they have opened themselves up to like a lot of critique, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, okay. What, what kind of a reflection of the university and what kind of a reflection of, I guess, female culture and, you know, <laughs> patriarchal culture, because yeah. a lot of these girls are like, I like being told what to do. Like, I like that. I want that, you know? Uh -oh. And that's very different from, I mean, the nineties where it was like, you know, we were listening to like 
garbage and people were like, you know, don't tell me what to do. Fuck you. I'll cry in the rain and, you know, run away from home. Yeah. It's like crazy. Morissette and like yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, so it's like a sort of a, a, rever- a reversal of that is right. what's happening right now. And- it does feel like kind of like a third wave feminism thing where we've kind of gotten to the point where like everything can be seen as feminist, including like liking to be told what to do or being hyper feminine in a way that like appeals to the male gaze or to white supremacy. But like, I feel like in this era of feminism, it's so weird because everything can be like twisted to be feminist. So if you're like, if someone is saying like, Oh, well, I don't think girls should be in sororities because of this, this, and this, well, why don't you want girls to do what they want to do? You know what I mean? So it like, it's so strange. Cause I feel like it's very much like girl boss feminism that can be like, brought out when you feel like it. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting. I, I, ultimately, it seems like half of the people don't like it, though. <laughs> they're doing it, but they're not happy. Like, it seems to be there's a lot of secret underbelly of, and I'm I'm obviously influenced by the parts of this documentary that I watched, but like, there's a lot of eating disorders and there's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure. I mean, how could it not be pressure to freaking make your hair up? Like you're on going to walk the red carpet just to go to freaking calculus class. I could barely yeah. put on socks. Like that is wild. Yeah. Still. Yeah. She ba- I have to come over and help her sometimes. Thank you. Know? you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Cause they do keep my feet warm. Well, you know, I, I actually yeah. think that segues into, um, you telling us a bit about this year's kind of breakout stars because you had a whole piece about how they were actually quite different than the usual. And maybe that says something about where we're at. Yeah, they were different. So it was interesting because we had, um, so we had Morgan and Bella Grace. So Morgan was, um, her handle was Bama Morgan. And (laughs) she was like, yeah, she was like much less polished than previous star potential new members. She would like talk about how she didn't do her hair or she wouldn't wear much makeup. And in one video, she's like, oh, I want to go get some makeup. Come with me. And she like goes to CVS and is like looking through the aisles, which is like very different from the other girls, like having entire like bags of like, you know, Chanel makeup. Um, and this is counterculture. This yeah. This is punk rock right here. CVS. <laughs> counterculture. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, Matt, you're disgusting. Go be a dad somewhere. <laughs> counterculture. Um, I mean... It, it really, it's wild though. Cause what does it like say about Alabama that that did feel like really like punk rock? Like, I know you're joking, yeah. but it also, no, I like, mean, I'm only half joking. Yes. Yeah. I mean, me too. Like it was, it was kind of like, wow, this is so different. And she would like wear hair ties as bracelets instead of like everyone else's designer bracelets. And it very much felt like she was like a real like every girl girl and that is not normal for bama rush and definitely not normal for rush talk so she was one of the big stars and then we had bella grace who on the other hand looks exactly like what you would imagine a pnm would look like like she's this little blonde girl wearing lily pulitzer and just like her dorm room is like perfectly um decorated but what was different about her is she was really frank about how anxious she was about the process and how she didn't really find her people in high school but was really praying that college would be different and she would like 
make these long videos where she would like cry about how much she missed her mom and like how like how her family structure was like yeah it was just like very different from like what you usually see which is like I'm so perfect this is my long blonde hair this is my designer bracelet like bye um so it was like seen as like really endearing and real in like a different way than Bama Morgan but still kind of like in that vein yeah that's that and that's what originally sororities were supposed to be right they're supposed to be a place where you can go when you're feeling alone, when you're missing your family, when you're wanting connection, right? So yeah. that seems al- aligned with what you would hope people would be joining sororities for. Yeah, it, it was. And it was like kind of sweet to watch them. And I don't know, like 18 year olds are just so like heartbreakingly like hopeful and like scared <laughs> and just like, I don't know, just like watching them. I was like, oh my God, I wouldn't go back to being that age for like any amount of money in the world. But you like just remember immediately what it was like to be like that unsure of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And meanwhile, some of these girls have managers because of Bama Rush. Is that new now that it's gone viral on TikTok or um, what's going on there? Yeah. So the managers are kind of interesting because it can be read as kind of like thirsty or like clout chasing to like have a manager right away, especially as a potential new member. Like there's obviously if you gain some kind of like Internet I don't know, platform or fame, then you'd like basically need a manager to like help you. But the girls who do best on Rush Talk are generally the ones who seem like, and I don't know if this is like real, but who at least perform as being like surprised by their success or like really flattered by it and like shocked. And I think like getting a manager kind of like breaks the veneer for people where you can't be like, oh, look, this is just like this sweet little Southern girl that I'm following. And like, she's so nervous (laughs) and whatever. And then they like get a manager and you're like, oh, she's just like the rest of us, like trying to be an influencer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Do, do Morgan and Bella Grace have managers? They probably do now. They're on the TV show. Yeah. That was like part of the drama on Rush Talk this season um, was that, I know. I hate myself. Um, was that- <laughs> I, I think it's funny because you, I can hear you resisting saying it, I know. but you're like, this is the actual way you have to say it. <laughs> like it's true. And also I can't stand it, but, um, I think what you a- meant to say was previously on yeah, Rush previously Talk. Previously on this, um, last season's Rush Talk, whatever. I feel like the like real housewives, um, yeah, exactly. recast, but it was like uh, Morgan was kind of seen as like a little bit like shady because she had like a manager email in her bio, like while she was going through rush and oh. while she was like, get, yeah. So people were like, Oh my God, shady. Like this is what Morgan's trying to do. And then other people were like, no, like get your bag, like blah, blah, blah. And there was like kind of this like dueling thing. And I don't think, even now that Bella Grace has like a, she at least doesn't have like a manager like in her bio or like explicitly stated. I don't know if she like does behind the scenes. And she also like seemed to be much more like discerning about like PR packages and stuff. So Mm. there was like definitely like Morgan almost immediately, obviously brands were like, let me send you this, let me send you that, whatever. And she would like open stuff up like, in a video 
And hmm. I think that like half of Rush Talk was really like, okay, side eye, like, <laughs> it, like you know what I mean? And then, and then mm-hmm. the other half was like, no, whatever. Like I would do the same thing, but it's not, I, I think like we want people to at least like hide it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But this Which is so analogous. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you, right. you want it. You want to pretend like it's not happening. And Morgan's like, I'm out here letting you guys know. Yeah. All these other yeah. girls are trying mm-hmm. to pretend like it's not happening, but like mm-hmm. I'm the real right. one. I'm and showing you, you know? behind the scenes. Yeah. She's like, I'm, I'm the honest one. Bella Grace yeah. seems like, um, I don't know. She's very cute, but she seems like a little Stepford wifey, right? Like, it's like, are you, what's going on? You know? She very much reminds me of, um, in Miss Congeniality, like Miss Rhode Island. uh, What is her name? Just like the, the, my favorite day of the year is April 25th. You know? Because it's not too hot and it's not too cold. Yeah. 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 Doesn't she, like, her whole thing is that she greets everyone right every day. She's like, "Good yeah. morning, everyone," and it's very sweet. But yeah, also, like, yeah. is this how can this possibly be real? But it is. I mean, whatever. It might not be, but it feels real, well, and that's, that's why people this like is, it. It feel just hearing about it and learning about it. It feels like a reality television show, but it's unfolding on social media. And there's two ways that people can watch a reality show. Yeah. One is like, oh, can you believe she did that? And then the other viewer is like, oh, I understand that everything is manicured and scripted and managed right. and whatever, but I'm here for it. And I think those two audiences are also consuming social media in that same way. And this is it. You're, 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 you are covering this hashtag drama, I guess. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's crazy because they're like the producers of their own reality show, Yes, right? exactly. Like, Which is what influencers have been mm-hmm. since the dawn of social media of like, this is television and this is movies. But hey, guys, I'm be- I am the authentic. I'm cool. I'm like you. This is the real me. I'm in my bedroom, except... I'm actually not because it's a very precisely curated and and those differences are are now playing out in very tiny slices of subcultures like they are here. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's very strange and we can kind of like see the seams a little bit more cuz yes. like this isn't yes. like the first, you know, couple years of influencing where people are like, "Oh, how did this happen?" or whatever. Like we all know like how this happens, like what happens and I don't know. I think like part of us wants to be lied to about it. And then part of us, <laughs> if we are lied to about it, are like, well, how dare you lie to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Speaking of all that, I yeah. would love to hear about the Teen Vogue interview that you did and the yeah. fallout. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Not to bring up perhaps a traumatic. No. Because yeah. like, I'm oh also curious God. how much did their followers come after you or what? But if you could just oh take it back God. for our listeners. Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. OK, so this was like popping off on Rush Talk. I was like, this is really interesting that these two girls are like a little bit different than normal, like whatever. So I reached out to both of them and I didn't like think I would hear anything back, but I did. So I did a story where I interviewed both Bella Grace and Bama Morgan. And I just talked to them about like rush talk getting more relatable, like whatever, like it was like a very positive story. And like, (laughs) I was like, thought it was like so fun and like light and fluffy and like whatever. And then 
I like posted it and I like share it to TikTok and stuff. And like, I swear I have written about like QAnon and like January 6th <laughs> and like literally like serious issues in this country. Yeah, it's not surprising at all. And like, I have I'm... never been the subject of hate like I have been after wow. this Bama Rush story. Wow. It's like, it reminds me of like Swifties. Like, what did I they have... not like? Yeah. Okay. Well, they were basically like, <laughs> so at first it was kind of like, okay, this is like a really nice story. But then there started to be some comments about like, oh, I hope this doesn't like mess with their chances. Like they're not like <laughs> supposed to talk to media, which like isn't technically, there's not like a hmm. rule that they shouldn't talk to media. And also like, I went through like a manager for one of these. So like, if anything, that's like the manager's issue. Like, I don't, I don't know the rules of like Bama Rush. Like I was never in a sorority <laughs> and people were like, how dare you like blah, blah, blah. And then what really, really popped it off was when Morgan got dropped. So <gasps> she didn't get oh. a bid to a sorority and like, I any of I them? couldn't. No. She didn't get any of them. No. And wow. People and people like, came after you. Oh my God. I could not open TikTok because every time I did, there were just like thousands of notifications and people were like, you're first, <laughs> I mean, just calling me like the internet's favorite word, like a gaslighter, which I was like, literally, what do you mean? Like, yeah. What how, do you mean? How, that's um, not what that word means. Yeah, gaslighting like, is not inviting someone to an interview. Right. Like <laughs> you're the reporter. It's their problem to whatever stupid rules. You're just doing the thing that Your you job. do. Mm. Yeah. Also, if I really mm. thought that this would like negatively affect their chances to be in a sorority, like I would never like mess with like an 18 year old kid's life just for like right. this like light, fun story. Like people are like, you would do anything to get a scoop. And I was like, What scoop? What are you talking about? What is about? the scoop? Uh, <laughs> like again, you would I don't do anything for the views. I think it means like the clicks. What? Yeah. I was and then other people were like getting really like conspiracy minded about it and being like, Oh, I bet like Team Vogue was hired by like so and so and it's like what oh my gosh. I, literally uh... what do you mean? And then it also just didn't make like logical sense because like Bella Grace also was part of the story and didn't interview with me and got in a sorority. So it's like, how do you yeah. explain that? Like, if it was my fault, like, which honestly, for a minute, they like got me. Like, I was like, yeah. they gaslit you. They gaslit <laughs> you. That literally. Yeah. I was so upset. I was like, oh my God, do you think that I really did this? Like, do you think that I like messed with this girl's like future? Like, I was really upset because, like, that's like the last thing I would ever want to do. And my editor was like, literally no <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay right and then I like I had to like get off the internet for like I don't know like five days because it was like insane like the amount of hate I was getting like people who I haven't talked to in years were like <gasps> texting me and being like I saw a video about you on my FYP and I was like please don't tell me about it wow. oh my god that's so what <laughs> Yo, teen girls are wild. We need to be yeah. harnessing that for good. Well, it's it like, wasn't just yeah. teens. It wasn't. Yeah, That's what who's saying. the audience? Yeah. yeah, there were literally like boomer women just like right. like commenting on my thing and being like, "I can't believe you. You should be ashamed of yourself." And I was like, "Deborah, what are you talking about?" <laughs> and 
like, why are you so upset? Like, this is insane. But that speaks to who's... that you sabotaged them when all you did was reach out and, you know, request an interview and they said they gave the interview. Either, like, purposefully or, like, knowingly sabotaged them, even though, like... If I did, I only got like a 50% on the test because like Bella Grace still got into a sorority. So I was just like, Mm. at Mm. first I was like, what do you mean? Like, how could this even possibly be true? And then just obviously like logic doesn't really have much to do with it. So I just like had to like get off the internet for a few days and I was just like, Man, this is wild that this is the story. <laughs> like, yeah, you, I saw you, you think on it's... TikTok just like replying to comments over and over uh-huh. again. Like, I reached out to her manager. I reached out to her manager. Yeah, I reached yeah. out to her I manager. So right. yeah. And I like, yeah. I obviously did like the rookie mistake of thinking I could like explain myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just like, okay, this is like really upsetting and really just absurd. Like, truly. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But but did you learn who the audience is for this content? Meaning like we, we just kind of were saying, oh, it's other teen college girls. But no, it's like, I don't know, middle-aged women or, or alumni who are like, yes, I used to be there. Now I'm following it again. Like, I mean, yeah. I very much learned about this from a gay man <laughs> who is my age and then mm-hmm. mine and Lindsay's college friend, Lucy Wynn. Right. So it's not people yeah. who it's are in the culture. Anyone, it's, it's, no. it's not anyone in the South. It's not. A, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. But interestingly, we, it's never well, popped up on my own for you page on TikTok. It's never mm-hmm. popped up on mine either. Even after I started researching either. it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's never popped on mine either. <laughs> which is, well, I, I'm also interested. Outfit of the day didn't start with sororities, right? That I mean, no. that was just a thing. And then they embraced it because it's like, you need to know what you're wearing to your rush meals and stuff. Yeah. And I think it was just like the way that like anything on the internet is really fascinating if it's like a look into a world that you've like never really seen before. So like Mm -hmm. a lot of, I mean, like the joke about it on TikTok was like, why am I 35 with three kids and like obsessed with like Bella Grace or whatever? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, actually, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's not me. (laughs) No. I resisted. On the bright side, in terms of just ending this on a positive note, I was also reading some very interesting commentary on the positive things that this says about Southern culture. Like I was reading something that was saying how essentially like a lot of these Southern girls don't understand the rest of the country just like shopping at all these big box stores. There's a lot of girls talking about boutiques. Like if it isn't some big designer name, it's there is a lot of like shopping local, supporting mm-hmm. local businesses. Like what are some of the positive um, – takeaways about culture i suppose yeah i think that was like a really cool thing is that there were like a lot of local businesses and boutiques which was like something that i'm not really used to like when i was a teenager i was like shopping at forever 21 like i wasn't going to like a boutique so that was like (laughs) that was like kind of nice and i don't know i think like generally it's hard to take like a lot of positive things out of this like i think i could really like (laughs) wring my hands and like come up with some if I were like forced to but like yeah like but a lot of it is just like capitalism and like the patriarchy and like beauty standards and it's like yeah these girls are like obviously choosing to be a part of it but if they're going to a school where like most people are in a sorority like I don't know what does it say for like your social life if you choose not to do that or like I don't know 
it did seem like important to me that like the, you know, breakout characters this year were like more like relatable girls Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) but it's still like, okay, like relatable inside this, like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because there is a small extent to which it's like, oh, you have to brainwash the youth. I mean, that's a little bit strong in order to in order to uphold systems right yeah. so they're yeah. playing a part in this system that they don't even necessarily realize mm-hmm. but then right. they're going to walk away perhaps with really positive images of sorority life and rush and what it did for them because i hear that there are really positive repercussions for them yeah past college you know to get into these and be in these like social echelons so sure. It's definitely interesting. There was one more bit of commentary that I read that was really interesting that was sort of looking at, okay, what are the blurred lines here? How much of this is Bama Rush Southern culture? And how much is this Gen Z? And Mm -hmm. how does it overlap with just our lives on the internet today and performative culture and all of that? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you were talking about like these kids are maybe like upholding systems that they aren't totally aware of, I was just thinking like, Man, I'm so lucky that when I was doing that at 18 in whatever way, because I'm sure I was, that it wasn't like immortalized in TikToks, you know? Like, yeah, yes. yeah, that, exactly. That's just like a much different way that Gen Z lives that I kind of feel bad for them for because they're like, they're, they almost like don't have the chance to just like make mistakes like privately. And I know they're choosing to post on TikTok, but like their frontal lobes aren't developed. Like they don't understand. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not a choice. They, yeah. if, if everyone else is doing it, they have to do it too. So ch- choosing is, is a tough word there. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Like it just, I don't know. It just makes me, it just makes me sad for them. Like I want them to be able to like make their choices like in private, but like privacy, I feel like just doesn't exist in so many ways anymore. Like even for people just like out in public, like, you always feel like if you, if something weird happens, like you could be like recorded or like, I don't know if you guys saw that TikTok that went viral yesterday of like a girl, (laughs) like taping this other friend group that she didn't know while they were like talking shit about their friend and then being like, you know, Sally or whoever it was like, you need to hear this. This is what your friends are saying about you. And I was like, man, that's so wild. Like even like private people, like quote, like not influencers, not celebrities don't really like have privacy anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what's really scary for me. I'm like, oh, I need to find a Luddite community to raise my kids in. <laughs> Same. <laughs> like, let it's, us be, like make well, weird, cringy mistakes. Yeah. I have, a, I have a separate rant around how we've just kind of normalized things. And just because we've normalized it doesn't make it right or okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, this is not not to toot my own horn, but it's like I get really annoyed by how many comedians I know who do crowd work and just like post it on the internet. And I'm like, mm-hmm. did you get permission from that person to post it on the internet? Like mm-hmm. for my sh- – I have a show, Love Isn't Blind, and, you know, I'm sure people think that I'm posting wildly without permission. But I actually clear it with every single contestant mm-hmm. before I mm-hmm. post anything. And it's just annoying to me that it's like, sure, we've normalized that you can just put anything on the internet of anyone, anytime. But that, that really doesn't make it okay. And there's like been no discussion of – ethics and norms like i just always think back to like the olden days when it was like don't put your elbows on the table which is like fucking stupid fine but it's like (laughs) they had these agreed upon standards and they're just not now and it's just we've decided it's okay and it's really not norms and laws too because if you go out in a public place like a public theater then there is not necessarily expectation of privacy legally speaking so you know 
what you I agree with everything you're saying, Allie, but also like those Legally, people can post it. Like okay. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't like, know. Right. I just feel like oh, it's like one thing to opt into the privacy and to, to like the safe space of a theater. That's how I feel. Like it's mm-hmm. one thing yeah. for people to reveal something in front of a hundred, sure. two hundred people. But then to put it on the internet and it's got a million views. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a different thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, this has been so fascinating though. Yeah. Do you have any like final final thoughts that you think our listeners should know about this phenomenon and what it says about all of us? I mean, I think it's just kind of like the latest iteration of like the reality show, kind of like you guys said, like, you know, influencers are the new reality stars who are the new actors who are the new like silent film actors or whatever. Like it it just keeps like developing. And now like they do have a little bit more power because they are like their own producers. But then once you put this stuff out there, like you never know how the internet is going to like turn on you and make you the villain or make you like the angel who can never do wrong. And like, I don't know. It's a lot of pressure. I honestly just feel bad for all these kids. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much. This was really interesting to have you like give us this deeper dive into this strange little corner of the universe. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And hopefully we get to talk about something that gets me less hate mail next time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, Matt, are you excited for your girls to rush sororities now? Uh, My kids are not going to college. Let's be real. (laughs) And also I got to figure out like if and when the kids actually ever access, you know, the internet or social media, because that's my, that's actually my current uh, polemic is talking to my older child about for-profit algorithmic social media and why <laughs> that is not the same as the internet or, um, you know, texting friends or whatever. So that, we'll cross one bridge at a time. Yeah, Get that back sounds like a saying. long bridge. So good. It's a, yeah, <laughs> good luck getting well, across that thing. She's talking to a 10-year-old about for-profit, algorithmic, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> my I have a nephew who was like asking his mom, when, when can I get a phone? And I chimed in. I yep. was like, you don't want one. <laughs> Stay it's, off as long as you can. Once you start, you can't go back. I think it was yeah, actually helpful t- to hear his like sassy auntie saying it, as supposed to just <laughs> his mother. Yeah. The, you'll I, you'll find this interesting and sad. And I, I stop me if I've said this already, because um, I've been talking about it with a lot of different people. But our daughter went to summer camp, uh, like a special summer camp, specialty summer camp. That's like I I went there when I was a kid. It's like it's like an awesome program. And she went and she loved the program and she loved the swimming and the art classes and whatever. But she would come home like sometimes in tears because every kid, older and younger than her, had a phone. And during their social time, like lunchtime, snack time, oh my god, they were time, just all on their phones. All they did was look at their phone, and then when they talked to each other, they, they would texted. talk about. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like yes, but but more interestingly, they would like. Oh, did you see this thing? Look at this thing, and they're talking about TikTok dances, and they're talking about things on social media. And my daughter, who is ten, who does not have a phone, was completely isolated. She's a gregarious kid. She's a friendly kid. She comes home from everything she does with new best friends, and she did not make a single friend. Oh yeah, she was the only kid without a phone, and it fucking broke our heart. And that was what led to a lot of these conversations, where I said to her, I was like, "Look, I don't know how cars work. I don't know how to grow my own food, but I am an expert." 
about this stuff and you have to understand why this is not good for these kids and why we will not give this to you for a long time. And she's a bright kid. She, she understood. Wow. Hmm. That, that, uh, that's so sad that it sounds like this special place for you kind yes. of got ruined for her, which summer camp. you never want. That's not what you parents want. Parents need to unionize and just have some established rules. I yeah. said this. Well, <laughs> yes, no, that's that. I mean, yes, because it, yeah, it, no. this is only effective if your f- kids' friends also do it. And I wrote to the camp. I was like, hey, the program's awesome, but you should maybe put some parameters around phone usage during the social times. Kids need phones. I get it. I understand you need phones for emergencies and for texting friends. But like when it's time to sit down and have lunch together, maybe that's like a no phone zone or something. Right. It's no, not I think that, that hard. makes a lot of sense. I feel like such a boomer, but I do think that makes a lot of sense. No offense to the boomers listening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, it's more mm-hmm. just like slang for like, I feel like an old lady who's like, get <laughs> off my lawn, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, I, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm so worried. I'm, I'm proud of you, Matt, for, you know, doing the, the hard talks and just sticking to your guns because I know a lot of people are like, ah, well, if everybody else has it, I don't want them to be behind. And it's like, they're not going to be behind as soon as they get one, it's going to be instant. But it's a nuanced conversation because, again, the screen itself, I hate this whole screen time debate because screen, not all screen time is created equal. My Hashtag kids watch not all screens. Not all screens. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I the, was not, I was barely allowed to watch TV as a kid and everyone else and was watching Look at TV. you. Look at you. And look at me now. Addicted <laughs> uh, to screens, just like the rest of them. But like I said, the best educational content ever created by in human history is on YouTube Mr. Rogers, right no. now. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Rogers, all due respect to Mr. But I'm saying like, you can watch Mr. Rogers, you can watch amazing YouTube. But when the algorithm suggests you fucking conspiracy videos after the Mr. Rogers video, that's where we get into trouble with what we're cons- what kids are consuming and what they're allowed to get. And normal what was parents really don't- in those elbow patches. <laughs> <laughs> normal parents don't get it. I talk to parents all the time. They're like, Oh yeah, the ads. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not the, it's not ads. the ads. It's the anorexia videos that will come yeah. at the uh, in the feed after the other videos that they watch. Yep. We've covered Yikes. it here. Yep. You all, all right. know it. Well, bam a rush. <laughs> you know, it is it's so funny though, because I think there is uh yeah, I don't know. I, it's just interesting that this type of person exists. <laughs> and I do in think in 2023. Yeah, I, I do think I would have not believed it, you know, and I wouldn't have believed that so many people want to be that person. So right. you know, you mean it's be that Bama Rush person? Yeah, but of course, I mean, if you grow up and this is the culture, and you're, I mean, I. But it's I people was, who did not grow up in that culture as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them as well, but for the for the majority. You know, I was reading, it's like their mother went there. They're getting letters of recommendation from like prominent women. And, you know, it's a very society thing. Mm -hmm. And so I understand if you're young and that's the culture you're raised into and you want to do well and move up the ranks and, you know, you don't have the awareness yet of how that's affecting others and blah, blah, blah. Like, I totally see how someone would get swept up in this. 100%, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, not me or anybody that I like. But I mean, it's the same way like bar and bat mitzvahs are out of control. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, is it that it's different? Vein. It's, yeah. you know, well, there's no fucking reason for bar and bat mitzvahs to have a theme and all this stuff. And I yeah. mean, you know, Israelis have like a fucking pizza party. They're like, whatever, you know, but <laughs> American just, so, you know, if we're really honest with ourselves, all of us have some kind of cultural thing that we've been swept up in. And yeah, yeah. every, every, every single person, you I know, mean, ask me about Mahjong, <laughs> ask me about dodgeball. Like oh, wow. there's, there's something, it is addictive to sort of be a part of something that has its own language, has right, its which own is the whole podcast culture. culture. Here, you yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 That so can be very I positive or damaging, especially yeah. when you're too young to really analyze it, you know, and look the same way when we were high schoolers, it's like, I remember being like college was like such a thing. Like you're going to go to college, like the best years of your life, you know, everybody like talks it up and you look forward, you know, so I understand that if the whole college conversation is also wrapped up Mm. in sororities and fraternities, like I completely see how you would just go straight down that path. Something we didn't even get into, which is so interesting is how it's completely different to Russia fraternity in Alabama. Oh, yeah. wow. And like the displays of femininity, femininity versus masculinity. Oh man, now I'm sad. Yeah, we didn't even go there, but like huh. they're, they're yeah. not. You well, know, we should st- talk about like rushing black fraternities and sororities as well. That's a sure. whole other different thing that I, I, that also I didn't do. So I don't know, but yeah, it's kind of well. You were in the black acapella group, so yep. And black people in that group rushed black sororities and fraternities hmm. at Yale, and we mm. were like, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> but then the other thing too is like, you know, well, that's a whole can of worms, right? Because that, that can be a really safe space when you're a minority and you have a place for people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it, it's it's very interesting. I'm I'm most fascinated with the accidental upholding of social norms that maybe need to be toppled, right? Mm. Um, and how which is why I, I like, uh, which is why th- like racism is t- systemic, right? Because it's a lot yep. of unwitting yeah. actors as well. Yes. So I, like, I I think I'm thinking a lot about what can I do as a parent, and I think the the best slash only thing is to instill the bullshit detector. In your own kids, where they can just go into the world as young adults and be like, everyone's doing this, but like, should we really be doing that? You know what I mean? And, and that is hard still, to teach. I'm still dealing with that, right? Even in the yes. comedy world of people being like, you know, so I'm moving to a 200 seat theater and everyone's like, oh, you should be going to Dynasty Typewriter. Have you written Dynasty Typewriter? Because Dynasty Typewriter is like really cool. You get your name on the marquee. It's yeah. got all the weird independent yeah. stuff. But guess what? I wrote them and they take $500 and then 50% of your ticket sales after that, which honestly is a lot. And yeah. so yeah. it's like still navigating like, well, everyone says I should do this, but like business wise, it doesn't make any sense to go there. I'll yeah. make less money to sell more tickets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so you got to disrupt it's it. Hard. You got to find a way to uh, find a better way. Really? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all so, it is. Yes. But it's just, you know, we're, I feel like we're still always navigating like what we're supposed to do and what our community says is the right next step yeah. versus what might actually be the wisest decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. So pop into our discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. You can also email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. 
We love voicemails, so please consider leaving one. 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And then just so you know, we don't answer. I mean, that'd be cool if we did, but like you just just call and you leave it. It's beautiful. Um, I'm Allie, A-L-L-I underscore G-O-L-D-I, Allie underscore Goldie across social media. I'm at The Lindsay Life, T-H-E-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-L-I-F-E across all social media platforms. And Patreon is no longer a nice to have. It's a will this podcast continue. So please visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. And thank you to all the new Patreon subscribers who have really shown up for us. It means a lot and it's going to help us. We promise. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heart your faces, everybody. Bye. See ya. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.